Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Dear friends, thanks again for joining us today on this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. Uh, My name is John Russell, I serve as the host, and I'm here with my dear friend, Pastor Frank Friedman, how are you today, friend? Tell me how Revelation is going in your preaching series. Well, John, I'm in my study all week, and I I come out of that study at least half a dozen times in tears and sharing with my bride. I said, you got to hear what I just saw. And most of the church looks at it as a revelation of future things, But in the text itself, it says, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says in that first chapter that it's a book of signs and symbols. So we don't take it literally. We look for the meaning behind the sign. And when we do, the Holy Spirit opens our eyes and promises we will be blessed. And, you know, John, just as I say that, I think, how could we not be blessed if we see Jesus? But when we are looking for the future and some of those ominous symbols that are in that book, it would scare us. But being scared is not being blessed. So I think we're taking the correct approach. And I know it's blessing me. And the feedback from our listeners is that it's blessing them. They they tell me they're coming away with joy and peace instead of confusion and fear. And by far, the number one comment I get from people is, What a great God I have. And John, I can't tell you what that does to my heart because they're not saying what a great message or Frank, you're such a good teacher, which is wonderful. They're being led to the face of God and seeing him in a way they've never seen him before. So kudos to the Holy Spirit and to his written word. Amen. You know, it's interesting, Frank. In the past couple of years, it seems like Revelation has been the subject of a whole bunch of messages given in churches around the country. Uh, Didn't used to be the case, but uh, who knows? Maybe things are moving toward the end. It might be cool to see. Yeah. And even if they're not, and it's another several thousand years through the book of Revelation, we can find Jesus for now. (laughs) And the cool point is that, uh, that Hollywood doesn't have a clue. (laughs) And they present the conflict between the enemy and our Lord as this running battle and uh, nothing could be further from the truth. So friends, if you're interested to hear this series as it unfolds, Frank, as you know, is senior pastor of Grace Life Fellowship in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Go to their website, gracelifefellowship.org. You'll find the series there. And of course, once it's done, we'll package it and put it on our website here at Our Resolute Hope. And who knows, Frank, we might actually put a book out on this. That might be cool. We're being asked about that already, John. (laughs) Well, friends, if you've joined us, uh, sorry for the long introduction, but if you've joined us, you've caught us taking a break from our current series 
on Paul's epistle to the Colossians. And Frank and I are doing uh, what we thought might be a short series, but may grow out to be a little bit longer, that focuses on some of what we consider are the pivotal words in Scripture. Now, of course, I don't want to discount any word in Scripture. All of them Mm -hmm. are God-breathed. But there are some that just seem to be game-changers. The last two episodes, we've talked about the first of these phrases, and that's, but God. And we focused primarily in those two episodes on the life of Joseph as he was in Egypt. And the whole, but God focus there, how God turned what seemed like an absolute nightmare into a full blessing of preservation, of restoration, of life blessing and godliness for the entire family. But Frank, we want to change gears a little bit today. That was the first time, but God appears in scripture. We want to talk today on what you and I have already discussed might be the biggest, but God in scripture. And this comes from the book of Ephesians chapter two. And let me read a few verses here to set the stage before we get to that phrase. I'm reading now in the English Standard Version, which is my current favorite. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, But God stepped in and made us alive together with Christ, because by grace you have been saved. Wow. Talk about, Frank, the biggest but God ever. Here we are, (laughs) dead as a hammer, as Bill Gillen used to say, dead as two hammers, two dead hammers talking to each other, walking after the power of the air, the prince of the power of the air, living in total darkness, not even realizing it, but God stepped in. Okay, man, unpack what's going on here and why is this so phenomenal? And you have about 10 minutes to do it. Oh, John, as you said, this is the biggest but God of the universe. It's the biggest but God of all history. Mankind rebelled against God in the Garden of Eden, lost life. Every man and woman born since Adam was born dead. And unfortunately, John, I don't think the church has really grasped this. When you listen to a lot of evangelists, uh, when you listen to revivals, it seems to me that the emphasis is on behavior. And the call is repent of your sins. John, in the gospel, we are not behavior modificationists. All that would be doing is changing people's behavior while they're on their way to hell. We are resurrectionists. That's what what God is about. Man sold himself to Satan. He walks according to Satan. We don't even realize it. I love the way the Holy Spirit put that, John. We followed the ways of the world, which is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. We did life our way to satisfy ourselves sometimes at the expense of others, but that way, the way of the world, is actually the way of a satanically sourced world. Mm -hmm. 
We can confirm this in 1 John 2. When it says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the world, it says in Christ, we overcome the world. No, 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 that's not what it says. It says in Christ, we overcome the wicked one. So the world is actually a satanically sourced system. We're stuck in it. We don't even realize we're in it. We're dead. And here's the key, John. What can a dead man do? What can a dead woman do? Well, nothing. <laughs> They're dead. But God, he will step in and make us alive through the finished work of Jesus Christ. We are not interested in Christianity in moralizing dead people. What the gospel is, is bringing them to life through the resurrection of Jesus and our but God, God did that for us. Oh, my friend, I got goosebumps. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You mentioned Frank, dead. You said it three or four times. What do dead people need? They need life. Well, I'm reading through this passage right now. And that word dead just jumps out at me mm. because it says the first four words and you were dead period. Now, many people in this world would say that's ludicrous. Of course, I'm not dead. I'm living, I'm enjoying, I'm succeeding. I, I'm, I'm living life the way I want to. How can that possibly be death? I, I go to church on Sunday morning. I put my dollar in the giving box. I even do a you know Samaritan's purse box at Christmas, something like that. And I don't think I'm dead, but scripture is so plain, my friend, that when we're dead, we're not dead to the world. We're alive to the world. We are dead to God. It's like we don't even know he exists. We can't hear him. We can't see him. And the fact that we're dead doesn't mean that we can even begin to lift our head toward God. He has to step in with his grace and rescue us and call us and draw us to himself. And so this, but God is so huge, Frank, when you realize just how separated from God we really were. Mm. And all of us are without Jesus Christ. Yes, we're, we are walking, living corpses spiritually. <laughs> you hit it on the nail, John. Bodily, we're very much alive. Solically, mind, emotions, will, we're very much alive. Relationally, very much alive. Spiritually, that's the problem. Our spirit is alive. We, we wouldn't be human if we didn't have a human spirit. But what we're missing is the spirit of God in union with our spirit. So ours is a dead spirit. It's dead to God, dead to the things of God. And so we can sit in a church, but that doesn't bring us life. The only one that can bring us life is God himself. And so God draws every man to himself through the things that have been made. We know that from Romans 1. We can look at it and say, there's a God. And from the wooing of the Holy Spirit, we know that he draws, John chapter 3, all people to himself. But men can resist that call, and they will continue to live spiritually dead, very much physically, emotionally, relationally alive. But so what? Like Jesus said, what does it profit a person? They could gain the whole world, 
But what if they forfeit the life with God? Theirs will only be the consummation of the death they've always been experiencing. They'll spend it away from God for all eternity. And you know, John, we need to address that for just a second. So many people have this issue of fire brimstone, you know, from the book of Revelation, and they neglect that those are symbols. And it's not literal hailstones and brimstone. All he's saying is this is an ominous, horrible judgment, beyond word judgment. And he spells it out in chapter 16. You're going to be spending eternity away from the presence of God. And if you think about that, John, who is God? He's light, he's love, he's kindness, he's gentleness, he's holiness, righteousness. Can you imagine spending an eternity with no light, no love, no kindness, no mercy, no grace, no holiness or righteousness? That's what hell is, living away from the presence of God for all eternity. Tragic. Yeah. And that was our end, but God stepped in and drew us to himself. It's amazing, Frank, how we can look at our deadness, look at the life we live apart from him, and enjoy it so fully. Look at oh, what this definitely. passage says in verse 3. Among whom we all lived, and I love the way the ESV says it, in the passions of our flesh. Boy, that sounds mm. so inviting, doesn't it? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. You know, whatever I think, whatever I feel, I'm just going to go do it. Boy, that just sounds so wonderful, doesn't it? Well, if you think about it, and I, I've tried to say this for years and years, this isn't necessarily that we're getting drunk, doing drugs, uh, fornicating with everything that moves. That would be included, by the way. <laughs> but it's looking at normal life and replacing God with normal life. So yeah, I pursue the food, the house, the cars, the boat, the kids, the, the bank account, all using those things instead of God to bring me life. And that's not going to satisfy the spirit. It's actually death. And then when death comes physically, it's just a confirmation of that same kind of existence. And so, yeah, John, we don't even recognize it sometimes until the Holy Spirit shows us how great a need that really is to find God because he's the source of true life. You know, there's a phrase, Frank, you and I have kicked around for years. We use the phrase hollow bunny to describe mm. something that looks so attractive on the outside. But when you bite in, it's hollow, it's mm -hmm. empty. That's what death is. And it makes what God chose to do just because he loved us so incredible. So as you're right, man, this but God has to be the biggest game changer in scripture because he's rich in mercy because of his incredibly great love with which he loved us. He didn't just have love for us. He mm. showed it to us and he did it by making us alive together in Christ. Of course, there's a lot that went on with sending his son and the crucifixion and resurrection and what have you to make that happen. But he made us alive together with Christ. And so we're no longer hollow bunnies, Frank. We're solid chocolate bunnies, full and rich and, and filled with the goodness of God. And 
it takes revelation sometimes to see exactly just how dead we were. Oh, I think that's the biggest issue, John. Until you realize you're dead, you're not going to go looking for life. You know, faith is born out of need. And when there's that hollowness, that emptiness inside, and you and I have been in ministry for decades, we've yet to see the rich man at the end of his life who lost all his kids say, boy, I'm really glad I got rich. It doesn't work. Uh, there's a lot of lament, a lot of remorse at the end of life for those who did not know God because they pursued things which could never, ever satisfy the human spirit. Remember Augustine way back, third century, the human spirit created by God, designed for God, will never rest until it rests in God. Nothing else can satisfy that hollowness, that emptiness. It's like doing a puzzle and then missing one piece. <laughs> it's like, ugh, it was all for nothing. God is that piece that's missing. And in Christ, he took away all our sins. But that was only the means to an end. That was so he could make us right. So he could live in us. We could live in him. He could take us to our own cross where that old nasty person we were could die, be buried with him, then be resurrected with him. And when he went up to heaven and sat down, I love Ephesians 2, 6, he resurrected us and we sat down with him. When Jesus said it's finished, boy, did he mean it, not just for him, but for us. We are seated in heaven right now, John righteous, restored, loved children of God. You talk about grace. My goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, wow. Let's run through the list of all the words you just rang out there, my friend. Mercy, love, <laughs> and then the biggest one, grace. We're going to pick that phrase up next time in this series on pivotal words and phrases. But the last thing you said, by grace, you have been saved. And because of that grace, he raised us up with him, seated us with him. I don't understand that, but I know it's true. And get this, Frank. So in verse seven, in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us. You know, mm -hmm. he's going to just display Frank and say, man, look at Frank. Look at what my grace has done in the mm. life of Frank. You're going to be a trophy, bro. How mm. cool is that? Yeah. Isn't it wonderful, John? And, and that's every one of us who's named Christ. We are all trophies of his grace. And yet, even more, as you read earlier, this passage goes on to say, and even though we were saved by grace, he had to do it all because there was nothing we could do for ourselves. We are then now, because of his grace, his workmanship, his work of art, his masterpiece, equipped to do good works. So we don't do good works to get saved, but we live a radical new life through our union with him, where he expresses his life through us, and we end up doing those good works, the works of the Holy Spirit through us as we walk in faith. And that occurs so that the life we live becomes attractive to others. They can look at us and go, what do you have that I don't have? And then we can introduce them 
to Jesus. My Grace, John, it's so big. I just don't think we can do it justice in this one day. Oh, no, maybe two, maybe three. And uh, uh, remember, Frank, grace is Jesus, Titus yeah. 2. And so when we talk about describing grace, we're talking about describing God. And brother, we will fail. <laughs> we will fall short. But I want you to wrap up now uh, because we started out with dead in our trespasses. Then God stepped in, but God, he made us alive together. What we needed most was life if we were dead. And he did that through grace. And now he's going to lead us in the rest of this chapter and in our next podcast episode about talking about what grace is and how it works in our lives. So with that preview, wrap us up today. Okay, John, I think I would do that this way as I was listening to you. We started off doing but God with Genesis and Joseph, terrible circumstances. But when you know God, it's never the end of the story. He will rewrite the ending. Today, we look at the greatest but God in all history. There we were totally dead, unable to do anything for ourselves, but God saved us in his great mercy and love and made us right and made us alive. John, I think there's a greater to lesser argument in this. Uh, if he can bring us from death to life, then he can certainly bring life out of our deadly circumstances. In fact, he said this with in 2 Corinthians 4, which is one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. He basically says this, if you're going through these difficult things, look at what he did with Christ. He brought Christ out of the greatest suffering of all time as he bore our sin. Will he not also deliver you? Because he is a but God, God. If he can overrule death, he can overrule the troubling circumstances of your life. But God, but God, but God. That's right. Uh, that's probably the, the shortest thing we ever need to put to memory as those who walk in faith. <laughs> That's right. And when he overruled death, he didn't take it away. He worked through it and conquered it. And so he's not going to take away our troubling circumstances. Usually he will work through them and his life in us will conquer them. And we will go through victorious because we will know him better. We will walk more closely. And that's really, Frank, what it's all about, isn't it? Bearing fruit for the kingdom. Amen. My goodness gracious. Well, friends, thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. Frank and I have been chatting about but God, the biggest but God in the history of the world uh, there in Ephesians chapter two. And if Father has ministered to you today in any way, uh, please visit our website and send us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, what's going through your life? Tell us how we can pray for you. While you're there at OurResoluteHope.com, you'll find a bunch of articles, devotionals, videos, eBooks, things like that, uh, that we think will encourage you in uh, walking ever more intimately with your Lord, Savior, and life, Jesus Christ. And of course, as always, we invite you to check out our social media platforms. You'll find us uh, in various outlets on Facebook and Instagram and a YouTube channel. And once again, as always, we close with this reminder from Hebrews chapter 6. Uh, that we have this hope as an anchor for our souls. Peter calls it a living hope. 
And Frank and I call it a resolute hope, a steadfast, immovable bedrock hope that never shifts. And that hope is Jesus. So today and always, choose hope, choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, He offers you Himself, His own life. He wants to live His life with you, in you, and through you as you trust Him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.